Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program, which today is being brought to you by DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all of the action right now with DraftKings. They're the leader in one-day fantasy sports, and they're giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Now, playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, standard, the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before with every dunk, steal, assist. They all mean so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is episode 32 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, and the Grizzlies continue their Western road trip. A couple of games against the Portland Trailblazers. We'll talk about that in That Was the Week That Was. Also, a handful of Petey's points and a very special friend, friends actually, plural, friends of the program on today's show as I welcome in my broadcast colleagues, Brevin Knight and Rob Fisher, to talk about the current state of the Grizzlies as they head into the final game of this seven-game road trip, which, in case you weren't aware, is the longest road trip in the Memphis era of the Grizzlies franchise. And the Grizzlies, 4-2 and two so far. And how did they get there? Well, we'll start it by talking about that was the week that was. On Friday, the Grizzlies go to Portland to take on the Trailblazers. It's the first time in their last three trips to Portland that the Grizzlies have actually been able to play a game. You might remember that before the season was suspended in March of 2020, Grizzlies had flown to Portland. They were getting ready to play the Portland Trailblazers when the news broke that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for COVID. The Oklahoma City-Utah game was canceled, and the rest of the season then went on hiatus until we were in the bubble. Then earlier this year, the Grizzlies went back to Portland. They were going to play two games at Moda Center, and then there were some COVID issues, and so those games were not played in the first half of the season, moved to the second half of the season. So twice in a row, the Grizzlies had actually flown to Portland, getting ready to play the Blazers, and ended up not playing games. However, on Friday, they finally got a chance to play the Portland Trail Blazers, and this was an epic game. Uh, Grizzlies led it by as many as nine, Portland by as many as six. It was closely contested throughout. Grizzlies got off to a good start, 28-23 through one quarter, and that's important because Portland is one of the best scoring teams in the first quarter in the NBA, averaging right around 30, 31 points per game in the first quarter. Grizzlies got off to a great start, but it was the third quarter uh, you know, when Dylan Brooks and John Morant started to take this basketball game over, Morant finished with 33 and 13 assists with zero turnovers. That is a first in franchise history. Dylan Brooks finished with 25. Of course, Dylan Brooks returning to the Pacific Northwest where he played three seasons for the Oregon Ducks and Dana Altman in Eugene, and he loves showing out in front of the Pacific Northwest fans although I don't think Portland allowed fans in the building. Uh, in any event, Brett, uh, Dylan goes three of six from downtown. He finishes with 25 points. 
It was also the second game for Jaron Jackson Jr., and we liked what we saw from Jaron in the Clipper game, although the Grizzlies lost. We liked what we saw even more from Jaron Jackson Jr. in the first Portland game, and uh, we'll have a little bit more on that in Petey's Points and also in our Friends of the Program segment. We talk a lot about Jaron Jackson Jr., and I think he's worthy of it. Finished with 23 points off the bench, which, by the way, tied Jonas Valanciunas for the best single-game bench performance by a Grizzly this year. When Valanciunas was coming back from health and safety protocols first game back, uh, he came off the bench and dropped in 23. Jaron coming in off the bench, puts in 23 for the Grizzlies. Um, Yusuf Nurkic was a problem because the Grizzlies did not have Jonas Valanciunas in this game. He was still recovering from the concussion suffered in the Milwaukee game. Uh, Xavier Tillman battled. I mean, he scored a dozen points, but Nurkic, 26 and 17 boards, those both season highs for him. The, but, it, you know, it wasn't a great game for Damian Lillard. He made three threes, but was only 8 of 22 from the floor, 27 points for him, 22 for C.J. McCollum. But McCollum and Lillard, uh, they were just 7 of 21 from three. So even though McCollum and Lillard kind of sort of got their numbers, it was not easily – and uh, the Grizzlies made their lives very, very difficult. Grizzlies shot 53% in this game. The only thing that really kept Portland in this basketball game, their work on the offensive glass. 14 offensive rebounds uh, for the Blazers in this game. They had 19 second-chance points. But the Grizzlies, where they really stood out, 74 paint points and 29 fast break points. Grizzlies leading the league in fast break scoring. Portland not particularly good in transition defense. And the Grizzlies just playing at an entirely different speed than Portland. And the Grizzlies win at 130 to 128 in one of the best games, I think. Uh, if, you're just, if you're just a basketball fan and you're looking at it from a competitive standpoint, I think it's probably one of the best games that uh, the Grizzlies have been involved in this year. Day off on Saturday, Grizzlies come back Sunday afternoon to Moda Center. And the Grizzlies trying to ensure the tiebreaker over the Blazers by winning a second consecutive game. Of course, uh, the two teams only play, and the Western Conference teams are only playing three times this year, so there are no 2-2 two -two no two -two, uh, season series. Grizzlies trying to clinch the season series. Again, they get off to a good start. A uh, lot of uh, bad shooting early, which is to be expected. The game started at one local time in Portland. Grizzlies still lead after one quarter, 23-20, to and then they start to find their offensive stride and outscore Portland 35-27. Uh, Grizzlies would lead by as many as 16. Portland would make it close late. Carmelo Anthony hit four threes early fourth quarter, and all of a sudden that double-digit lead was whittled all the way down. But the Grizzlies had a response. Grizzlies forcing turnovers, getting steals late in the game, getting deflections. Uh, it marked the return also of Jonas Valanciunas to the lineup, 21-10 for Jonas in the ball game, John Morant, not a big assist game. This is not a big assist game for the Grizzlies, only 22, but uh, they got 28 points from John Morant, and for me the biggest thing for him was he hit seven of eight free throws in the fourth quarter, got to the line 12 times, and that was big for the Grizzlies. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies did a good job of keeping Portland off the line. McCollum and Lillard only combined for six free throws attempted. And again, Lillard you know, got another 20-plus game. But it took him 27 shots to get to 23 points. Grizzlies held C.J. McCollum relatively in check with 27. 
as he needed 21 shots to get his. Grizzlies go on to win this ball game. They do a brilliant job defensively. They hold Portland to just 37% shooting from the floor. Portland did have a couple more threes, but the Grizzlies were better at the free throw line. And another massive game for the Grizzlies in transition, 33 fast break points. And one of the things that we saw about this matchup is that the Grizzlies have greater speed than Portland. And so the Grizzlies go 2-0 and since our last visit. They are now 31-28 and on the season, and they clinch this tiebreaker with the Portland Trail Blazers by virtue of winning the two games this weekend. The same two teams will meet on Wednesday. It'll be the Grizzlies' homecoming after wrapping up the road trip in Denver on Monday night. More on that in a bit in our Friends of the Program segment. And let's get right now to some Petey's points as the Grizzlies are playing really well. First one, I'm even more encouraged by how Jaron Jackson Jr. has responded. I I think he has been really very, very good. And even though the Grizzlies did keep him out on Sunday afternoon against the Portland Trailblazers, you go back to the game on Friday night, and I thought he was very efficient, good bounce, uh, only took two threes, missed both of them. And if there was a criticism last year of Jaron's play it might have been that many times he settled for threes clearly he has the ability to make them and make them in volume but with his length his athleticism his ability to finish around the rim a lot of times you'd like to have him right there around the rim and and he was against the Portland Trailblazers 10 of 14 in that Friday night game and I I was very impressed with his bounce with his energy did not appear to be fatigued or winded. I'm sure that uh, his win probably isn't exactly where he would want it to be. That's going to come. Uh, and I really look forward to, we're keeping our fingers crossed for the Monday night game in Denver, that you could actually have Jonas Valanciunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the floor at the same time. This could be, could be Monday night, the first time the Grizzlies have had everybody healthy for a game. That would be amazing. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, secondly, uh, this Portland Trailblazers team, they're, they're in trouble right now. They are struggling mightily, and a big part of it is their defense. They felt their defense was, was getting better. Their defense does not have the speed to match up with Memphis, at least at this point. Um, Terry Stott's trying to make adjustments. He's had a great run as coach in Portland. I talked to Jason Quick. In an earlier episode of the Grizz Weekly Grind, he writes for The Athletic, has been covering the Portland Trailblazers for over 20 years. He thinks that Terry Stotts may not be long for that job. Um, you know, Portland right now, they're, they're in a situation where they're just trying to put pieces around Lillard and McCollum and Nurkic, and it, it's, it's, it's had mixed results. And um, it, it remains to be seen if they're going to be able to, to reverse the skid. They're having their worst month of the season after having one of their best months in the month of March. Um, you know, their, their bench is shaky. Terry Stotts needs to settle on a rotation. Sometimes you see Derek Jones Jr. They sign Rondé Hollis-Jefferson to a 10-day. Someday, some days he plays, some days he doesn't. Some days Derek Jones plays big minutes. Other games he doesn't play at all. Anthony Simons isn't getting a whole lot of run, and I think Anthony Simons is a, is a really promising young player that maybe is underutilized in Portland. Um, and so I think Portland might be might be in trouble. And and. They are not going to hold on to that sixth seed, I don't think, uh, unless they can really get right. 
They're relying so much on the heroics of Damian Lillard, and Lillard is banged up. Sat out three games with a bad hamstring. He's taken numerous blows uh, to his legs, you know, knee-to-knee contact, things of that nature, and he's really beat up. And he says he does not want to take time off unless and until Portland can claim that sixth seed and stay out of the play-in tournament. But right now, that that just doesn't look very viable. And uh, they have a pretty tough schedule coming back in. So remains to be seen. But I think Portland is is in a little bit of trouble. They'll they'll be in the play-in at the very, very least. But, you know, how much energy are they going to have? How much will Lillard have in the tank? How healthy can he get before the rest of the season? Final Petey's point today, uh, this is a Grizzlies team that is just so locked in. And the month of April has been fantastic. Uh, The superlatives just roll on. Number one, the Grizzlies are leading the league in scoring at 121.8 points per game in the month of April. That would set a new franchise monthly record uh, for the Grizzlies franchise. They are number one in offensive rating, 119.1 points per 100 possessions. They're doing everything. Uh, They're number one in field goal percentage. They are third in three-point percentage. They are sixth in scoring margin. They are second in fast break points, and this to me is is really a key stat. Uh, only Indiana scoring more fast break points per game in the month of April than the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are scoring 20.4, and they're allowing only 11.3. So they're creating nine points of separation in their transition offense and transition defense, which I think is amazing. Grizzlies, of course, continue to lead, lead the league in second-chance points, almost 16 a game in the month of April. Um The other thing that is really impressive with this Grizzlies group is that their assist-to-turnover ratio as a team, they're about to set a franchise record just north of two uh, assists to one turnover for the entire team. And in the month of April, they are leading the NBA, 2.39 assist-to-turnover ratio. This team is really locked in right now. Um, Defensively, sometimes it's been up and down offensively sometimes it's been up and down and yes the Grizzlies are making three-point shots but I just think they're getting better three-point shots their game plan discipline their attention to detail I think is is so much better now and it's interesting because you you go out on the seven game road trip and you realize that after Chicago the next six games are all against teams that are among the league leaders in offensive efficiency and even though the Grizzlies really haven't totally shut anybody down, although they did hold Portland in check on Sunday afternoon. The Grizzlies' offense has been good enough to uh, make sure that the defense was protected, and the Grizzlies going 4-2 and two on this road trip. They've got the one game remaining at Denver, and uh, hopefully Grizzlies will be able to handle their business. Uh, the Nuggets will not have Will Barton. He's out with a hamstring injury. Monte Morris remains out with an injury, uh, and also Jamal Murray, he of course is done for the season. So the Grizzlies Man, I mean, if if somebody had told you that you would take four games on this road trip, I think everybody would have signed up for it. And it's time for the Grizzlies to get greedy. And if they could come home five and two, and uh, wow, that would be a fantastic road trip. And those are PD's points for today. This is episode 32 of the Grizz Weekly Grind being brought to you today by the Youth Athletic Foundation. Its mission is to assist student-athletes in developing a strong work ethic through discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Their goal is to help youngsters understand the importance of working hard to be the best they can be, whether that's on the court, in the classroom, or in the community. The YAF has donated millions of dollars to charities, families, local high schools, and youth sports programs. Before we get to our Friends of the Program segment, of course, as per usual, if uh, you are enjoying the program, would appreciate a rating, some comments, uh, and make sure to tell your friends to subscribe. There is still a lot of basketball yet to be played. 
some high-stakes basketball yet to be played. And if you want to know what's going on, we will have it for you here on the Grizz Weekly Grind. Also, if you have questions, you can direct those to me. My DMs are open on Twitter, at Pete Pranica. And if uh, we get enough questions, we will open up the mailbag and take your questions and uh, try and figure all this stuff out. Helping me trying to figure all this stuff out, this great road trip for the Memphis Grizzlies, I bring in... As today's friends of the program, my broadcast colleagues, Brevin Knight and Rob Fisher. Brevin Knight can be followed on Twitter at Brevin Knight 22, and Rob Fisher can be followed on Twitter at The Fish Nation. No C in there. The Fish, F I S H Nation. Follow them on Twitter, and um, they also have their own podcast called Night Court. So go ahead and check that out as well. All right, here they are today's friends of the program, Rob Fisher and Brevin Knight. Little announcer roundtable here on a uh, Sunday postgame after the Grizzlies beat Portland for a second consecutive game. Joined by my broadcast partners, Rob Fisher and Brevin Knight. Guys, Grizzlies are poised to average 120 points per game for the first calendar month in franchise history. Why has this offense been so good in April? I, I, I think it's interesting that ever since Taylor Jenkins started talking about the three-point attempt numbers being up, that was the Minnesota game early this early this month, first game of the month when the Grizzlies had 39 attempts. And since then, the offense has really taken off. And it's the volume, but I think not just the volume of shots they're taking. They're moving the ball so well, they're moving so quickly that they're getting really good looks from three, even when they're not shooting at a great percentage. And we've seen them shoot 45, 50% in this month from three. Um, but they're shooting at a much better percentage because they're just getting so many good open looks. I, I think it's the, the pace they're playing with, the speed that they're moving the ball, and just the open looks that they're getting. Uh, I agree with the pace. I also think that because they are scoring at the clip that they're scoring, that it's an enabling them to get back, set up their defense. And I think defensively, they have been better at completing possessions either with forcing turnovers, but they've gotten better at completing possessions with just a defensive rebound. The other thing I think they're doing a great job is they are throwing the ball up the floor a lot more here in this month. Not doing as much dribbling up the floor, whether it be on a rebound outlet or outletting to a guard that then throws the ball to a wing player down the floor. So I just think that the open court scores have been there. And once you have found that level of comfort in terms of making shots, then that makes your half court execution become that much that much better. And so I, I just think it's the combination of the pace, but the, the ability to throw the ball up the floor to allow early scoring opportunities. Well, and you, you can look at those numbers, Brevin, and it, it's a direct correlation to what they're doing on the fast break here recently. Yes. I mean, their numbers on the break, it, it's, it's absurd what they're doing to other teams and scoring close to 30 points a night uh, on the fast break. So a lot of times when you can get out and you can run, those are easy baskets, and it makes the offense, at least numbers-wise, look a lot better. Yeah, and I think that John Morant has been more consistently aggressive yeah. as of late. Am, am I am I seeing that correctly? Yes. Yeah, no, you, you, you're seeing it correct. And he is getting started right from the outset of games, whether that be the scoring that you get. But we always say, we always like to say as point guards, you like to touch the paint. Well, there's no guard in the game that touches the paint as much as he does and as consistently as he does. And he's done a better job of being able to mix it up with finishes at the rims, floaters, or even pull-up jump shots. And so I think his play has been terrific in terms of setting the tone for this team. 
it's not surprising either because I think what we've seen in Jaws' career, uh, his first season, how much better he got from November to January to April to the bubble to the start of this season. And then it was, you know, can, can he be that aggressive guy through fourth, four quarters of a game? Can he be the guy that's the head of the snake in playoff intensity type games and want the ball down the stretch? And he keeps answering the bell. And I think he's answering the bell again for this team right now in their most important stretch, one that, you know, is going to lead to a playoff berth or it's not going to lead to a playoff berth. And, it, you know, I, I think it starts with John Moran. I think every experience he goes through, he's one that learns from it, gets better from it. And I think we're seeing it again right now from John. Friends of the program on this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, Rob Fisher, Brevin Knight, uh, another guy who has really stepped up during this road trip, Dylan Brooks. And sometimes you have to live with the really good and maybe the less than good. And I thought today's game against Portland was was part of that because a lot of contested shots in the first half. Then in the second half, he becomes the really, really good Dylan on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I, I just thought that he, the attention to detail defensively for him the entire year has been off the charts. And he's doing it staying out of foul trouble. Fouls used to be a, a real big deterrent for him in terms of how hard he could play on the defensive side. He's doing a good job of defending without fouling. And then on the offensive end, we know that he's a tough shot maker and he makes tough shots. He's, and, but within, within doing that, he also then is able to change and say, am I getting the right shots? And I thought in, this game, in their game, the second game versus the Blazers, he did a great job in the second half of getting good shots every time down that it enabled him to have a big scoring output but just the defensive side the competitive nature that he brings on a regular basis uh is second to, to no one in the association and because of that his he's so crucial for this team's success because i think there are two guys that generate the intensity the energy the swagger that this team can play with and it's the last two guys we just talked about john morant when he's got that aggressive mentality, I think the rest of the team feeds off it. And then Dylan Brooks, for sure. I mean, that this this second game against Portland of, of these two over the weekend, I, you know, they, they poked him. They poked the bear. And Dylan, as he said in the walk-off interview, he poked back. And, and I think that that's huge. When you don't have veteran leadership around your team, who's going to be a guy that stands up for you? Who's going to be the guy that leads? Who's going to be the guy that's the vocal guy? who's going to be the intensity guy that's going to – I mean, we were getting fired up in the booth watching him play. Imagine being a teammate yeah. and what it does. So I, I think Dylan's intensity is crucial for this team's success at this point. All right, one more game left on the road trip. Could you have envisioned, all right, knowing that you go into this seven-game trip, you don't know when Jaron's coming back, you're playing six of the top seven offensive teams in the league, could you have envisioned four and two through six? Yes, you know why? Because they should be six and zero. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hey, I, man, going into it, four. I, I think most would have taken three, and been like, okay, if we got two, that's fine. Let's just move on. It's over. Three, okay, we'll take three. Anybody would have signed up for three before this trip began. Yeah. So they already be at four and two. Uh, remarkable. Yeah, I, I I thought that they had an opportunity to win four games. I thought. More, to win more than four was going to be hard because you have to beat two teams twice. One of them you would have to beat twice at some point in order for you to get to the five-win threshold. And so 
when you you look at what they've been able to accomplish and the, the losses that they have had on this road trip were losses that easily could have been wins. The Denver one, definitely. The Clippers one, they didn't have the right mindset to win that basketball game. And so what happened, happened, even with them being a depleted team. But the, the confidence that they are playing with, to be able to recognize that we weren't good enough and then be able to bounce back and be better than you were before going into that game is a testament to the team, but also is a great testament to Taylor Jenkins and his staff to be able to get them to focus in on what the next issue is, not continue to worry about what just happened. What about the return of Jaron Jackson Jr.? Small sample size, two games. I know I've been impressed. I, I've been I've been really impressed for a couple of reasons. One, he doesn't look rusty. I mean, he, he does look like he was ready to come back uh, and ready to come back immediately. I expected rust. The guy hadn't played an NBA game in eight months. I mean, it's 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 incredible that he that he didn't show any rust. And I think the other thing, too, is he's not just relying on being around the perimeter. I mean, his activity around the basket. Now, maybe some of that's forced because JV was out of the lineup. It'll be real interesting to see what happens when JV and him play together again uh, to see if Jaron does float a little bit more outside. But I was impressed with what he did around the basket offensively and defensively with the block shots. So hopefully we'll see more of that from Jaron, even with JV on the floor. Yeah, I, I thought the, the biggest thing was the fluidity of his movements. Anytime someone has a knee injury and you're out for that amount of time, sometimes you come back in those first couple of games, they are leery of moving around that leg and you can see it in their movements. You didn't see it at all. You could see him just going out and playing basketball, not worrying about the injury. So the performance team has done a fantastic job along with Jaron with making sure that he was beyond 100% ready to come back and play. And I, I second what Fish says, I, I like the mixing up of the inside out game that he has shown because what made him successful from day one in this league was that he was good enough to beat bigger guys off of the dribble from the perimeter. He could make threes, but he also could punish you in the post with various moves, whether it is jump hooks, up and unders, fade away, turnaround jump shots. So to be able to use his full arsenal in these first two games and not just rely on staying away from contact because of worrying about his knee, uh, I think it was a great sign for him. All right, last thing, one more game, Denver. Grizzlies should have won that game, did not, lost in double overtime, did not have Valanchunas, did not have Jaron in that game, and Denver will, will be without Will Barton again oh, for, for this game, just suffering a, an injury. Uh, what, what do you see happening Monday in Denver? Right, listen, if, if they can get the pace up as they have done here in these the two games against Portland, then this Grizzlies team, they go home 5-2. and two. I don't think that Denver has the bodies or the athletes to be able to keep up with this Grizzlies team in a pace game. If the game becomes more of a half-court game, then that gives them the best opportunity to be able to use Jokic's skills on that end to be a facilitator and or a scorer. So if the pace of the game can be where it has been, then to me I feel like, like the Grizzlies, they are playing confidently enough on the offensive end and defensive side that they can walk out of there with a win. Fish, fish they, get a, they get a carry over you think in Denver? I would expect it only because I, I think, you know, seventh game on a seven game trip can, you can real easily want to hurry up and get home. But I think the way that they're locked in and while winning, 
changes that mindset a little bit. Now it's about let's get another win on the road. And I think that's the way this team's playing. They're playing with a different mindset. They are locked in on both ends of the floor. I don't see any reason to think why they wouldn't have that sort of effort again. You know, they weren't being rewarded all the time with great efforts night in and night out on the floor. Right now they are at this time of the season. So, and it's a perfect time of the season to be rewarded for your effort. So I would expect a good effort from the Grizzlies and a real good chance to win that game just because they are playing so well. It's what made that Clippers game so disappointing because they didn't, they didn't show us who they've been for the last three weeks. Yeah, they had been so good for so long right. and got off to the big lead and then just vanished. Yeah, so I so I expect, because we've seen more of these games like we saw against Portland than we have the other uh, here recently. So yeah, I, w- I would expect a good effort uh, to close out this trip. And I mean, if they can somehow come home five and two, un- unbelievable, unbelievable trip. And, and then you look at the rest of the schedule and now you start thinking, you know, looking at those teams ahead of you rather than the ones behind you. So there you go. Basketball announcers hanging out after a game and just chatting about what they had just seen from the Memphis Grizzlies on a Sunday afternoon win over the Portland Trail Blazers. Our thanks to Rob Fisher and Brevin Knight for stopping by and chatting. And that does it for episode 32 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, brought to you today by the Garner Framing Company. And they ask if there was one thing you could do, one bold action you could take, one inspired choice you could make, one investment guaranteed to transform Memphis, would you do it? Well, if the answer is yes, here's your chance. The Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. There are 800 youth in Memphis waiting for your decision today, so don't delay. Join the movement. Become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. This message brought to you through the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years and a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. They're doing their framing consultations by appointment at 901-685-7796. So, Grizzlies, go to Denver. Trying to wrap up this road trip 5-2 and two before coming home for another crucial matchup against the Portland Trailblazers on Wednesday night. On the docket forthcoming, we're going to talk with Jared Greenberg from Turner Sports, noted sideline reporter and NBA reporter. And uh, looking forward to that conversation. We'll have that coming up in a future edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Franica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. 